So tonight's title is Resetting the Role of the Wife. Last month, we looked at resetting the role of the husband. And we began with the role of the husband because it is essential, we believe that it is essential to making the role relationship of the husband and wife work. The husband, as we mentioned, sets the tone, we believe, for the home to function. So that's why we started with resetting the role of the husband. But tonight we're going to look at resetting the role of the wife. And uh, we want to do our best tonight to define a true biblical definition of submission. Many times the role of submission, it has this, this negative connotation. And we believe it's because it is not understood by both men and women. And there are women who rebel against it. But there are also men who have abused it and caused women to not want to submit in their role as a wife. And on top of that, we live in a society who have taken the role of submission badly out of context. Even in the church, throughout time, we have seen that there have been many that, that have this negative connotation, this negative view of submission. You know, we've, we've heard women call it the S word, like it's some kind of cuss word. <laughs> and the truth is, there is a negative connotation with submission, and that's why uh, it's by those who, who don't truly understand it. They don't understand the biblical meaning, and hopefully as we go through this, you'll, you'll get a, a better grasp on it. So, we want to look at what biblical submission does and does not mean tonight. And by way of introduction and setting the stage here uh, for our topic tonight, I want to start with Ephesians 5.18. So if you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians 5.18, and we're going to go from there into the, the passage on uh, Ephesians, uh, the, the role of the life there. Ephesians 5.18. Ephesians 5.18 says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. This is a key verse here in Ephesians 5. Because Paul, it's a key verse as Paul's leading into the role of the husband and the wife. Because this verse speaks of the transition for the believer from the life we once had as unbelievers. It's a transitional verse. It gives us a sharp contrast with the old life to the new. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. There's that, that old life. There's the new life. And Paul uses this contrast of being drunk with wine and him being filled with the Spirit. And as believers, we're called to be filled with the Spirit. And being filled with the Spirit is the key that makes the rest of the principles listed in Ephesians 5 that unlocks that. We've got to be filled with the Spirit if we're going to fulfill our role as husband in the mind. 
And you have to be born again if you're going to be still filled with the Spirit. You have to be walking with the Lord and applying His Word to our lives as husband and wife. In fact, right before Paul goes into the marriage instruction in Ephesians 5, notice what he says in verse 21. He says, submitting to one another in the fear of being properly submitted to one another is a mark or evidence of being born again and spirit-filled. The difference is that before we gave our lives to the Lord, our life was characterized by a rebellious spirit and not a submissive one. And in order to fulfill our role as husband and wife, as we'll see in Ephesians 5, 21 to 33, uh, we must draw from and depend upon the Holy Spirit of God. Because if we're left to ourselves, the old nature will surface and it will dominate. But the Holy Spirit enables us to submit ourselves to each other. Look again at verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So verse 21 is like verse 18, they're both transitional verses. It gives a transition between the general... Uh, the general accountability of all believers to submit and the specific submission in marriage and our home life and our workplace as you go down into the passage into chapter 6. But notice what Paul says. He says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. In the fear of God. This means that out of reverence for the Lord. When we submit to one another, we are honoring the Lord because we recognize Him as the Lord and Master of our lives. We do this by always setting Him before our steps. Truly realizing that He, is, he has commanded us to love one another. This is the attitude that makes submitting to one another possible. Submission to one another will only be powerful and effective when the fear of the Lord is involved. Now, there are some who say that Paul, based on Ephesians 5.21, does not teach, does not only teach that Ephesians, that the submission of the wife to their husband, but is also saying that the husband is also to submit to their wives in mutual submission. Many have, have concluded that based on that verse. But if you take Ephesians 5.21 by itself, some conclude that. That's why Pastor X is always saying context, context, context. We are not to stop reading at 5.21, but we are to look at the following verses and what Paul, uh, his definition of submitting to one another means. And as you look at it as a whole, you see that the answer is that the wives are to submit to their husbands who are the head. They are the head of the wives as Christ is the head of the church. And husbands are to love their wives. They are to love their wives with the sacrificial love of Christ for the church. One commentator put it this way. He said, mutual submission coexists within the hierarchy of roles within the Christian household. There is a general sense in which husbands are to have a submissive attitude to their wives in the sense of putting their interests before their own. But 
But this does not eliminate the more specific role in which wives are to submit to their husbands. So a husband is not to submit to his wife by giving over his leadership, by giving over his headship, but a believing husband is to submit to the loving duty of being sensitive to her needs, being sensitive to her feelings, the feelings of your wife. In other words, a Christian husband needs to subordinate his needs to his wife's needs. The husband is to realize that his headship, the position of authority that has been given to him as the man, is God's function for him. And guys, it's not this special merit on our part. You know, it's not this, this special role that makes us king of the jungle. But it is God's sovereign, original will for marriage. And we as husbands are to exercise our authority, the authority of God that He's allowed us to have, not in an abusive manner, but we are to exercise the authority we have that, that's been given to us with the motivation of God's love. So a husband's headship as well as the wife's submission is to be worked out within the influence of grace instead of this legalism. Also, if you look at the parallel passage in, in Colossians 3.18, where it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands, it says, as is fitting to the Lord. There's no word about mutual submission there. Also, as we look to the role of the wife's submission, we want to point out that it is not true that female submission is a result of the fall. Because a lot of times people say, well, it's because of the fall. Genesis 2 gives us a bunch of indications that headship and submission were part of God's original creation. God created man first. Genesis 2.7. Paul also notes this in 1 Corinthians 11.8 and 1 Timothy 2.13. And these scriptures support that God made woman from the man at creation. And God's judgment after the fall in Genesis 3 does not change the fact that the husband's headship is part of his design of the husband and wife relationship before the fall. After the fall, you only have the negative consequences of sin in a way that the husband and wife now relate to each other. But the combined purpose of New Testament teaching confirms that the husband's headship and the wife's submission are part of God's original design for marriage. Not, not a negative consequence of the fall. So instead of looking at the whole submit headship roles as negative, a more correct view of the marital roles is to understand that wives are called to follow their husband's loving leadership in Christian women, those who have been redeemed, those who have been regenerated, who are living in Christ's redemptive purposes, are called to submit to their husbands. And we'll look at what that means in a few minutes. Hopefully, you'll see what we're talking about. But the headship and submission roles are to take place in the context of a true marriage partnership. 
where the husband genuinely values his wife's companionship. He, does, he takes her counsel. He values her counsel. But it helps him lead and make decisions for the benefit of the marriage and the family. And where the wife genuinely values her husband's leadership and aligns herself under it. When I do premarital counseling and I talk about this, I'll turn to the, the potential wife and I'll say, don't you want somebody to lead you? She goes, yeah, I want a loving leader. I want a head of my home. And, and guys, that's kind of a responsibility for us. It is. We're called to do that in a certain way that's going to allow our wives to submit to us. And Satan has used this whole radical feminist movement to cause many to view the male-female relationship as rivals. Satan's, he's, he's under all this. This is so against God's design and desire for the biblical marriage. So we want to take a look at the instructions to the wife. If you'll be at Ephesians 5.22. We're going to read Ephesians 5.22-24. And then we're also going to look at 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2. Ephesians 5.22 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And then 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2 reads, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Now, Ephesians 5, 22-24 is the instruction of submission to wives with saved husbands. And then 1 Peter 3 addresses those with an unsaved husband or one who does not obey the word. In fact, the, word, the, the phrase not obey has a meaning of not only not believing, being a non-believer, but also willfully or aggressively disobeying God and his word. A husband may know the word of God. He may even profess to be a Christian, but he willfully disobeys the Lord and his word. So by this, we see that God calls a wife to biblical submission to both a believing husband and a non-believing or disobedient husband. And ladies, unfortunately, this, this instruction here to submit eliminates that playing card we like to pull, pull out. You know, I'll submit when he starts obeying the word of God. We can't do that because God says, whether he's a believer, a non-believer, or if he's disobeying, he is still calling us. And, and we're going to further define that as we go on. As Paul gives his instruction in these passages, each time he gives more detail as to what is required of a godly Christian wife and her submission to her husband. So back at Ephesians 5.22, where Paul says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. The difficulty with understanding Paul's command here to submit to our own husband is that for some, submit is synonymous with obey. And in, in the mind of some wives, submission means to obey someone in authority over you, like a parent or, or a boss. But submission is not forcing or by compulsion making someone comply or, or obey. It's not an outward compliance. 
I couldn't help but think of that scene. How many of you seen Father the Bright? The first, no, the second one, where they're selling the home. Remember that? And there's that foreign man and his wife, and she wants to say something. And he goes like, bah, 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 bah. he tells her something, and we're like, and she just like shuts up and shuts down. And then what's his name tries to do that to his wife. But, but it's not that. It's not. It, it's not that. Just you know, speak when I speak to you. Be quiet when I tell you to be quiet. Uh, it's above and beyond obedience actually it's an attitude that goes much deeper than just obeying submission can include obeying depending on the context however a wife's submission is displayed or expressed differently than a child submits to a parent or an employee to a boss the greek word for submit carries the thought to lose or surrender one's own will or to place oneself under so submission is placing of oneself under the one to whom it will submit. For a Christian wife, it's placing yourself, or as Henry said just a bit ago, it's aligning yourself under God's created order for marriage. 1 Corinthians 11.3 and Colossians 3.18-21 tell us that God is the head of Christ. Man is the head, excuse me, Christ is the head of man. Man is the head of woman, and parents are the head of children. So we see that God designed this submissive order for our benefit, for our blessing. It's for the proper function of a family, the family unit, the church, and, and actually for the whole of society. Submission is not intended to demean or put women down. It's not to keep them barefoot or pregnant or that 50s mentality is some... Think and you know there's and then you have this whole movement right now, especially with the Me Too movement. You know where just women have to supersede men and you know men are it's, it's really it's really crazy right now with this whole Me Too movement. And something like this would probably get a lot of high heels thrown at us tonight. <laughs> but I once heard Elizabeth Elliot say that at one time she was speaking to these young women on a, a I believe it was a college campus and. She's speaking on the role of a wife, and, and afterwards, uh, someone came up to her a little upset and said, I mean, do you realize that what you're advocating here? I mean, this goes back to the Victorian age. Do you realize that? She said, oh, no, no. It goes much, much farther than that. Because God is the one who has given us this principle of submission. He laid it down when he created man and woman. And again, it's for the benefit, for the blessing, for the function of a home, a family, the church, and, and really, society as a whole. So submission is aligning oneself under God's created order for marriage for, for our family and home and all of society. Notice, though, that the passage is not commanding a general submission of all women to all men. A wife is to put herself under the headship of her own husband only. The word own gives an indication that even though there may be others, a, a wife may need to submit herself to, an employer, a ministry leader, hopefully never a police, but we have to submit ourselves at times. And her submission to her husband, though, is to be special or unique from all others that she may have to submit herself to. And it's kind of like the practice of love. We're to love everyone, right? Including our enemy, our neighbor, our brethren in Christ. But the love that a wife has for a husband, it's special and it's unique from all others. Her love 
for others is of the same essence, but it, it's not of the same expression. So it, it's that idea. There will, might be those others we need to submit ourselves to, but with our husband, it's, it's unique and it's different because it's God-given. And so our, our submission needs to be unique from all others, not all women to all men. Also, submission is to be as to the Lord. Verse 22 says that wives are to submit to their own husbands as to the Lord. And this means that the Christian wife's attitude toward her submission to her husband is reflected by her relationship with the Lord. It's, it's part of our walk with the Lord. We willingly accept and display submission to our own husband because we love the Lord and we willingly want to obey his word. And he, he tells us that this is what we need to do again for the blessing, the benefit of our home. And as we do that, it's responding to the Lord. Notice that the verse doesn't say, wives, obey your husbands. And again, as I said, a submission may include obedience, but it's, it's not a command word. It's not being treated like a child. It's not obeying when told to obey. It's not any of those misconceptions that uh, mistakenly many believe. The word submit here is, is more mild and it has the idea of responding. And really submission is responding. It's responding to the Lord first and foremost. And as a result, as we, we respond to the Lord in obedience to what he's asked of us, we then, in turn, submit to our own husband. And it's not submitting because that's what Christian women are supposed to do. As Henry was saying, you know, without being born again, without the Spirit of God, it's not going to last long. That, you won't go far with that. The flesh won't let you go very far with that. Responding to the Lord is surrendering our will to the Lord as we walk with him because we love him and we know that he loves us as women and he does have our best interest in mind as a wife. So responding to the Lord is trusting the Lord enough to align ourselves under our husband's headship. It comes down to your walk. You know, when you think about that, as unto the Lord, responding as unto the Lord, you know, based on your whole, it's, it's on your relationship to the Lord. It's just... If you're walking with the Lord, if you're worshiping Him, if you're obeying Him, then you're going to fall under that role, just like the husband would. And it's the same for the wife. You know, it, it all comes down to your walk. It comes down to your walk. And, and as we respond to the Lord, to His calling of, uh, of obeying or submitting to our husbands, as we respond to Him out of love, out of trust, in him and who he is. As Henry said, it's part of our walk. We trust him. Okay, this is what he's asking of me. I'm going to trust the Lord for this. Then we'll actually be able to submit or align ourselves under the headship of our husband because we're doing it unto the Lord. And, and that's really what it comes down to, our walk with God. And when we're able to do that, then we will look at our husband and allow him to be the head of our home. So being submissive to our own husband means that a wife willingly submits as unto the Lord to her husband's authority and his leadership in our marriage. Okay. <laughs> uh, but like Gloria said, trust is key there too. You know, how much do you trust your Lord? You know, and, and I, I think about you know some of the crazy things as husbands. You know, we want our you know we 
we're going to move away or we're going to do something, you know, and it's like, no, 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 you know, and sometimes a wife can move in and kind of take over the, the road. No, we're not going to do that. And, you know, and I can't, you know, you got to have an input. I mean, ladies, you are important to the decisions that a husband makes, but you got to let your husband make decisions. And sometimes he'll make a mistake. And you got to let him make mistakes sometimes. And I know it's, it's hard because you're like, oh, I want to fix this. I, wanna, I don't want him to do something stupid, you know. But you got to let him grow in the Lord too and not take over that role that is supposed to be his role. You get what I'm saying? It's hard. And I'm here, you know, I, I, you know I'm here to tell you by experience. Henry, don't do something stupid. You know, it's like, no, don't make that. Be, you know, but she, you know, that comes down to your trust to your Lord. Notice the basis for a wife's submission in Ephesians five twenty three and twenty four. It says, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So in these two verses, Paul states that the basis for a wife's submission to her own husband is as the submission of the church in relationship to Jesus Christ, who is the head. This is the key to understanding this passage on biblical submission. It's important to understand that a wife's submission to her husband is modeled after the church's submission to Christ. It's a beautiful picture. Just as a husband's headship is to be modeled after Christ's headship over the church. In the marriage relationship, it is a husband's honor, or it is to be a husband's honor, to represent the headship of Christ over the church. And he displays his loving and sacrificial leadership to his wife. The wife's honor, or her, should be her honor and high calling, is to symbolically represent the church in its submission to Jesus Christ as Lord, as its head. And I don't know if we, ladies, we sometimes realize that it's a beautiful picture of Christ and the church. Your role in that, also the husband's. I think we decided this many times. But the beautiful chosen role of marriage as a symbol of Christ and his church is to be the basis for the attitude and behavior of both the husband and wife. You know, at the end of this whole passage, Paul says, for this God's imagination to leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He says, this mystery is great, but I am speaking in reference to Christ and the church. There's that picture. He's saying it's the picture. We're a walking picture. Look at all the, 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 the scriptures that we're called the bride of Christ. That's a picture. There's a whole beautiful picture, and marriage represents that. It's pretty awesome if you truly think about that. And, and realize it when we witness to our kids and our family members, the witness, as ambassadors, the witness our marriage represents of, that can they see Christ in our marriage? That picture? It's pretty incredible if you really think about it. And we need this embedded in our minds and our hearts. So if a wife's submission to her own husband is to be like that of the church to Christ, then that means that a wife must know and understand church doctrine. If you, if your conduct, ladies, 
with your husband is to mirror the church toward Christ, and you need to know how to do that. And it includes studying the scriptures to discover how the relationship of Christ and his church is to be lived out. What a beautiful uh, uh, Bible study this can be for you this summer. To go after that and look at that whole picture that we've been talking about. And how it let the Lord minister to you. What, what he wants to show you in your role as a wife. And how it's to be lived out. How to conduct, uh, how you're and how you conduct in relation to your husband in marriage is to be lived out. Your conduct is to be lived out. And as you study God's word, the Lord will minister you to you. He's faithful. His word doesn't come out void. And he'll show you what he wants you to do in, regarding, in regard to improving your marriage relationship. And you got to just be careful that... Don't think that your husband is the one who's supposed to just do it. You've got a, you got a role to study and, and seek after what your role is in the Word. Studying the Scriptures is also your God-given responsibility. So if you desire a better, deeper marriage relationship with your husband, then it begins with studying the Word of God and believing and allowing God to minister to you, to mold you, to shape you, to bring you, to help you to be that best wife for your husband. Gloria has this little flip calendar, uh, perpetual calendar on her on our desk, and it's all about the wives. And I'm, she's always looking at it, and I, I just pretty awesome, you know. I just go, wow, she's she's then looking. I see her just in the morning meditating upon the scriptures and the thoughts on them. And, uh, I'm like, yeah, you know. <laughs> Have a good day, <laughs> you know? and that's the no, praise God. You know, it's just an awesome thing to see. I'm humbled and I'm blessed by that. Um, notice also in verse 24, it says, "Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be with their own husbands in everything." What does Paul mean by that? In everything. Now, Paul's not telling wives to submit to their husbands if he wants you to take drugs with him or watch pornography or cheat on your taxes. That's not what Paul's saying here. He's not saying that you need to take abuse and that's what submission is. No. That's not what Paul is referring to when he says in everything. So how far do you go in your submission? goes back to Colossians 3.18 again. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. As is fitting in the Lord. If, if it brings glory to God, then you're safe to submit. Again, submission is for the purpose of order, like Gloria mentioned earlier, falling under all the order that God. God's a God of order. It's for the proper function and benefit of marriage in the home as God designed it. But as it's fitting in the Lord, if it brings glory to God, if it's contrary to God's word or causes you to compromise your walk with the Lord, then you have God's permission to say no to your husband with that you're not going to do that. But if you do challenge him on that, make sure that it is, you have scripture to back that up. And that scripture is in context. Don't just pull out a scripture and say, look, here, I don't have to do it. 
Make sure it's, you know, it's prayerful and it's in context. If, off, if your husband wants you to do something that opposes the word of God, then you need to be like Peter, who said we must obey God rather than men. When Paul speaks of the wife being in submission to her own husband in everything, she is to be submissive in every lawful thing. I try and make Gloria submit to get on a ride at Disneyland. <laughs> she draws the line there and says, I'm not going to submit. She still hasn't given me the scripture for it. But. <laughs> what about suicide? It's not God doesn't like, you got to get on that ride with me one time. <laughs> I'm not getting on that. Hyperspace. <laughs> Paul is also saying that wives should not compartmentalize. Their submission setting certain areas is off limits. And everything speaks of a heart of submission. Submission is an inner quality of a transformed heart that affirms the leadership of a husband. It is, a, it is, it is an inner quality of a transformed heart, a wife who's born again, who's walking closely with the Lord that affirms the leadership of her husband. Not to stop having a submissive heart. Even if you may disagree with your husband in a specific area or a specific decision. And you can disagree. It's not like, again, obeying, but honey, I don't, I don't agree with this, but I'm going to trust that you are the head of the home. I'm going to trust the Lord. But I just want to tell you that, da, 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 da. Okay, these are my reasons, but I'm going to trust going to make the best decision for us. A wife's submission should be complete in every lawful thing in all areas. And whether our culture agrees with Scripture or not, whether we agree with Paul or not, the clear teaching of Scripture is, and as other clear instructions from Scripture also tell us, that the wives are to submit to their own husbands and everything as long as it is fitting Notice the three statements in this section of Ephesians 5 that uh, there would be like guiding principles for the submissive wife to her husband. Verse 21, in the fear of God. Verse 22, as to the Lord. And verse 24, as the church is subject to Christ. Take that, ladies, and let the Lord minister to you this week. Nobody's trying to show you in that. The thread or common factor running through all three of these Statements is God, the Lord, and Christ. It all goes back to Him. Another aspect of submission is that it's voluntary. It has a sense of a voluntary selflessness. It's making the choice, again, to align yourself with God's order, voluntarily. Not because you have to do it, that's what Christian women do, but because you want to please the Lord. It's a voluntary response to God's will, or an orderly manner in your home. And as I mentioned earlier, it's allowing your husband to be all that God has ordained him to be as the head of your home. You know, ladies, you don't have to allow your husband to be the head of your home. It's voluntary. But if you don't, you will cheat yourself and your family of God's blessings and benefits that come with trusting God and obeying uh, and aligning yourself to his divine order. And if 
if you don't allow him, you will reap the consequences of disrupting God's divine order for your home. So it's voluntary. It's willingly aligning yourself and allowing your husband to be what God has called him to be. Even in those mistakes, as Henry said, they, they have to learn. When God is a better teacher. We become naggers. God is a better teacher. So we have to let the Lord teach them. And, and we should bathe them in prayer for everything that they would hear God's voice. And God does great and amazing things when we pray for our husbands. Part of that calendar is praying for your husband. And, and uh, you know, we should, we should be praying for our husbands every day. I don't care how many years we've been married because God is always working in all of us. And, and that's part of here. It's, it's again, it, it, he's learning just like we're learning. Another important aspect of submission is respect for your husband. Uh, back to Ephesians 5, verse 33, it says, Nevertheless, each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, the word respect here means reverence, and it's used of reverence for God, as in verse 21, but it's also used as reverence or respect for a husband. And, and you know what, ladies, whether we realize it or not, and I don't know, guys, you can nod yes or no, but men desire respect. It's, it's something that they do desire. And God knows that. That's why he put this in here. Just as we as women interpret tenderness and affection and kindness and gentleness as love, men interpret respect as love. There's nothing like... like I mean, I know Gloria shows respect like when she tells people, I need to check with my husband. You know, and, and to me that says volumes when she comes to me and check with me. Instead of, you know, we're doing this. Oh, really? You didn't ask? You know, it just, it, it means so much to me, you know? Um, yeah, and it's not even like, you didn't ask me, it's not like, it's, again, that whole attitude of, I want to align myself. And if he's okay with something, then, then great. I have his blessing. And if he's not, then, you know, we'll pray. You know? <laughs> then, then I have to align myself under that, you know, and, and trust God that, you know, God could be protecting me from something because my husband's not comfortable with something. And I need to align myself instead of insisting, you know, well, this is what I'm going to do, whether you like it or not. But respecting our husband, ladies, if you think about it, respect is actually an aspect of loving someone. When you love someone, you show them respect. And for men, it, it's, it's a great way of their interpreting it, and that's why God tells us to do that. If you look at Proverbs 31 and, and the picture of the virtuous woman in that, it's amazing all the things that she does. But among all the amazing things that the virtuous woman does, verse 23 tells us that her husband is known in the gates when she sits among the elders of the land. And we see the virtuous woman bringing her husband honor by her conduct and her reverence towards him. You know what, ladies? This woman made her husband look good. And that's something we can do as women of God. We can make our husband look good. And this is what we tell potential premarital couples. We tell them that because we show them that verse in Proverbs 31 that he is known at the gate. We tell them that wife made him look good. You're, he's been single all these years. He's not going to have a wife, a completion. You can help him by the, the role you portray in the Lord to 
when he goes out there, he's a better person because you're the wife helped him. She aided him. She in all the thing, in all kinds of ways. You know, there was a couple that that real quickly uh, when we sat with them once in, in premarital, and they were, you know, they had been single for a long time. Uh, I, I, it was hot. That it was a summertime. I remember them. I had a white T-shirt on, and they sat there. And the, the husband, the girl goes, she goes, you see? No, no, he, no, he goes. You see, he's wearing a white T-shirt, and the wife, uh, the potential wife, looks at him. She goes, yeah, but his T-shirt is from this decade. <laughs> you know, and his was all, you know, it was old. But he's a single guy. He didn't care. You know, and I look here and I'm right. You know, I didn't say that, but I'm thinking that. But I shared this because a few months later, I bump into them in, in the sanctuary after a service, and he's dressed. You know, he has a nice fresh shirt on, and I, I remembered this verse. And I said, he looks better because of his wife, <laughs> and that's what that verse means. He, she, he is known at the gate. She took care of him in that way. I know it. Because he wouldn't have done that. <laughs> and, and that's awesome. I was just rejoicing in my heart that, man, this guy looks good now. <laughs> and even deeper than his clothing, um, others will treat your husband according to the way you respect or the way you present him to others. And we got to ask ourselves, do we belittle him or criticize him? Uh, do we... Uh, talk about him behind his back, or worse, in front of the kids. And when we have a fight, and, and we tell these young couples, you will have a fight, don't go around telling others how horrible he is, because you will make up, and then others will see him through the picture that you have painted of him. And, and there may be times that you really honestly need prayer for him or for a situation in your marriage, then make sure you go to someone who's mature in the Lord and grounded so that the next time they see him, they're not looking down at him in a belittling way because of what they know about the prayer need. Respect doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything he says or that you cannot have an opinion of your own. Respect includes a conduct that honors a husband as the leader of the home, even when we, as a wife, may have an attitude of rebellion sprouting up within us. But how we let him know our thoughts, our difference of opinion, will display respect or disrespect. And as a wife, now that, since you're, we're, again, we're giving this usually to the, the couples engaged, but as a wife who's been married for a number of years or some time now, if you find yourself not having that respect for your husband as the Lord asks of you, or maybe as you once had for him, then we need to ask the Lord to restore it, to give us those eyes again for our husband, and to respect him as the Lord would have us to do so that it shows him that love as God is asking us to do that for him. Yeah, We, we need to pray seriously about that. And um, there can be those times, but what do you do with it? And that's the difference between a marriage in Christ and without Christ. When we go through those times without the Lord, we just go with our own understanding. And you go, well, you know, I don't respect this guy anymore. And you show it and show it. And before you know it, you guys are at each other. But in Christ, if you find that you, you've lost that respect, or you know that you're not respecting him as, as you should, then we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, give me that respect for my husband because you asked me 
to respect our third you, you asked me to do that. Help me to do that. And you will be amazed at how the Lord does that because marriage is His and He wants us. Uh, he wants no man to separate us in our marriage. Ladies, realize this. Jesus is our example of submission. Okay? John 4.34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. John 6.38 says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And John 8.29 says, And He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please Him. Jesus is a your example of submission. He submitted all the way to the cross for you and me. He showed us what submission is. He's our role model of submission. There's a few additional principles we like to give, again, the potential couple. Because uh, most of these women uh, have not had the experience of being a wife yet and living that out in her role and in, in her daily life. So we'd give them just a few additional principles for wives from the scriptures. And the first one is that as a wife, we're heirs together with our husband. Uh, last month we looked at 1 Peter 3, 7, and we looked at the role of, the, as we looked at the role of the husband, uh, and right in the middle of the verse, Peter says that we are heirs together, or joint heirs of the grace of life. A husband and a wife are both partners in receiving God's blessing. This is what this verse is telling us. We are both valuable in God's sight. We are both recipients of the grace of life based on the person of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. Galatians 3.28 tells us there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for we all we are all one in Christ Jesus. And um, Jesus... These verses are very clear here that in, in the Lord, in Christ, we are equal to a man in the eyes of the Lord. We have our God-given roles, and our roles are different, but we are equal in Christ. And again, you know, our culture right now, with all that is going on with the the move, the, the, the feminist movement and the Me Too movement and all that, you know, we, we need to not get caught up in that because... Jesus Christ has elevated women to the equality of men when he died for us both. So we don't have to worry about what the world is doing with, you know, this whole equality thing. Um, we are equal in Christ. A man is not going to get into heaven because he's a man and we're not going to not get in because we're a woman. Jesus Christ is the criteria for heaven, not our gender. And as God's children, we, we have equal rights in Christ and that's our, in, in heaven, going to heaven. So... The Bible is clearly not against women. Again, it's not about keeping them uh, suppressed. God, Jesus has elevated women to equal status because of what he died, because of what he did for us by dying. Secondly, our behavior or our conduct as a wife. Now, if you'll turn with me to Titus 2, verses 1 through 5, and that's Titus chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, and these verses give us the qualities of a sound church. Verse 1 reads, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. 
The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. And here verse 3 tells us that a wife is to be reverent in her behavior. And reverent in behavior has the idea or the meaning of godliness, of, of fearing God, pleasing God, doing what is right in God's eyes. It's revering God. You know, as a wife, and this is what I share with the potential couple, as a wife, a wife possesses a different status because we're married. We're no longer single. We're not better than a single woman, but we now have a greater responsibility to watch what we say and how we conduct ourselves because we are a wife. We not only represent the picture of Christ in the church, as Henry was sharing earlier, but as a wife, we, we now belong to someone. And we're responsible for a home and children and the picture of family. And our behavior should reflect that responsibility and that privilege and that which is pleasing to God. Our behavior should reflect that. Good things are to come from our mouth, as the verse says here. And we're to possess decent, godly behavior because all that we say and do will have a reflection on our husband, on our marriage, on our home, and on the Lord. And I think there is nothing more sad or embarrassing than a woman, especially a wife, who is known for her irreverent or ungodly behavior. And God isn't saying that we can't have fun, we can't joke, we can't laugh, but we are always to be mindful that we represent our husband, our home in the Lord. And as a wife, let's, let's not draw unnecessary attention to ourselves by our behavior. A wife is to be discreet and chaste, as mentioned in verse 5. You know, discreet has the meaning of um, sound judgment, um, and chaste has, has the idea of purity, you know, uh, um, cleanliness as far as, as uh, sexual purity. Be careful how we dress. You know, we're, we're not to dress like the world who likes to give revelations to anybody who looks their way, you know, let's be, let's be modest. There's that, that idea of modesty and, and purity because we represent Christ and we represent our husband. Um, some call certain behaviors freedom, and they're saying we're free in Christ, but our behavior as a godly wife isn't about freedoms. It's about having discretion and representing our husband and our home in Christ. Proverbs 11.22 says, As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. A woman can be beautiful to look at, but if she lacks discretion, good judgment, chaste behavior, she draws unwanted attention to herself by her ungodly behavior, her looks are like an adornment on a pig's snout. That's pretty, that's pretty repulsive. A good meter for our behavior besides the Word of God and the Holy Spirit is our husband and our kids. You know, if, if we're not pleasing them, if we're embarrassing them, then we're lacking that discretion. Our behavior is not chaste and irreverent towards God. Another aspect is that we are to be nurturers of the home. 
Verse 4 says that the older women are to teach the younger women to love their husband and to love their children. And this speaks of being a nurturer of our home. Our husbands are like the skeletal crib of our home. They're the strength, they're the protection. And then we as a wife and as a mother, we're the heartbeat. And together we bring life to a family and to a home. And we've heard it said that a home needs a woman's touch. And a home without a mother or a wife can be empty and it can be cold. We're to bring life to a home by nurturing and taking care of our family. Our family should want to come home to be with us and not want to take a long way home to avoid us. And you know, I love it when my family walks in. They're tired and they're weary from the day and there's a hot meal ready for them. And they say, mmm, smells good in here. And they're, they're ready to get on that table. Or when I make a dessert, you know, and everybody's quiet, eating it, they enjoy it. When my boys were little, they used to do this song and dance in the kitchen. If I had a cake in the oven, they'd go, Mama made a cake, mm-mm, and they'd dance around in the kitchen. It was so cute. Or when tenderness is needed, and you're there to give that tenderness that's needed. The evidence of our love for our family is doing whatever it takes to take care of them and nurture them. And finally, verse 5 says that we're to be a homemaker. And this word literally means to be a stayer at home. Now some come up with some fancy titles like domestic engineer, family manager, home economist. As a wife in Christ, we don't have to apologize for our calling. We are homemakers. We are stayers at home. And it's an honor and it's a privilege. And it's a high calling from God. I was thinking of that real quick. You make the home. You're a homemaker. You're the ones that make the home. You know? It's really a cool title. Our, our culture and our world have a hard time with our calling as a wife. But that's because they don't know the Lord and they don't obey His word. And problems with today mar today's marriages and families are evidence of that. A mother needs to be at home if she's to nurture her children. And we can't do it all, ladies. We can't work full-time and take care of kids and a family. Something will have to give. Something will be shortchanged. And sadly, it will be the family unit. And it will most likely be starting with the, your relationship with your husband. So of all that we do or achieve in this life, being a wife and a mother, and all that goes with it is the highest calling because it's what God asks of us as a woman. And as nurturers of our home, physically and spiritually, our greatest reward will be able to say or to agree with three, 3 John 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So in conclusion... 1 Peter 3.6 says, As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid of any terror. This verse is, is saying, don't be afraid of doing good. There's kind of, there's a promise embedded in that. God's saying, I'm going to take care of you ladies. Don't be afraid of doing good. You don't have to call your husband Lord. That was for that culture. But uh, it says, don't be afraid of submitting to your husband as God instructs in his word. You're called by God to fulfill your role as a wife. God will honor your efforts and your obedience to him. But like we said earlier, it takes trusting him and letting him be God in your life. 
As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, can be, can be translated as she honored him as the head of the house. As a wife, Sarah respected her husband. She knew he was the head of the home. And she allowed him to fulfill God's calling, including when he made mistakes. And if you, you, you all probably know, Abraham made some mistakes. She could do this because she knew who her God was. And she knew who she belonged to. Her confidence was in the Lord and what he could do. Sarah knew that God was bigger than any mistake that her husband would make. She knew her God and would take care of her, and he did. He intervened a couple of times when Abraham made some crazy mistakes out there in Egypt. And God pulled her out of it. Sarah was not afraid to let Abraham be the head of their home because she knew that, that her God where God was and she trusted him for her calling as a wife. She did good and was not afraid to do so. So ladies, if you align yourself to do his will, he will take care of you and he will deal with anyone who tries to take advantage of you. As we end the role of the husband and wife, I usually ask the couples to do this and I'm going to ask you guys to do this. It's just a question, something to think about. Um, but A wife is to ask the Lord, Lord, how can I show my love to you in the role you have called me to fill? And God answers, show it in your submissive heart toward your husband. And a husband is to ask, Lord, how can I be the kind of man you want me to be as a husband? And God answers, your limitless love for your wife shows the world it shows me the kind of love you have for me. And when I end this premarital session, I ask the couples two important questions. And I want to leave you with this tonight. Wives, do you love your husband enough to live for him? And husbands, do you love your wife enough to die for her? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight, Lord. We praise you, Lord. And just, Lord, knowing that we have access to the way to live as a husband and wife in your awesome, incredible word, Lord. Father, help all of us, Lord, in every stage that we represent in marriage, Lord, to, to grow, to obey, to seek you, to be, Lord, minister to each and every one of us individually in, in our calling as husbands and wives, Lord. And that, Father, we would just be tighter, Lord, with you and our, with our wife and our husband more than ever before, Lord. That threefold cord that cannot be broken. So take it, all of us now, Lord, and just bring to some of these truths, Lord, to, to the forefront, Lord, when we need them in time of, of need, Father. And that we would just pay heed and give the victory, Lord, to you, Lord. And, Father, see you do, to bring victory in our home life. We praise you, Lord. We love you. For you alone have the words of eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray.